the truth there. Uh, but if I put my investor hat on, I would say that you should not uh, go with one particular marketing strategy and not leverage the others. Absolutely. So text messaging and RBMs and door knocking and driving for dollars and all those things are very, very valuable. And you should always continue to do that. You're listening to the We Love Equity Real Estate Show, a podcast that discusses the intricacies of real estate investing with your host, Marcus E. Maloney. Marcus is a real estate investor best known for being the equity king. He's been awarded that moniker because he and his team find amazing real estate deals. He will be talking with investors who have done some transformational things in the real estate industry. They'll discuss their process, their strategies, and how their investments transform their lives and the communities they invest in. We welcome you to the We Love Equity Real Estate Show. We have Scott Hannum. He is a local real estate investor and he has other specialties and skill sets that I'm definitely sure that you're going to want to tie into and listen to. So Scott Hannum is a professional real estate investor and he's been in the marketing and call center field for multiple years here. Um, He has a call center based out of Mexico and he does quite a few things with real estate investors and he's a real estate investor himself here in Phoenix in the local market. So without further delay, let's welcome Scott Hannum to the show. Welcome, Scott. Hey, Marcus. Thanks for having me, man. Appreciate it. Yes, yes, yes. Thanks, Scott. I want to welcome you to be in here, man. So I know I didn't do your intro any justice. So give me a little bit of background about you, what you're doing, and what do you see yourself going on and doing? That way we can kind of jump into this show here. Sure. Um, and, and you did my intro just fine. Uh, but yeah, you know, my name's Scott Hannum. Uh, I've been in the call center business for about 20 or so years. Um, and during that time, I have done just about everything within the space that you can imagine from, you know, being an agent and running large scale operations and, and running my own company within the space. Um, I've been investing in real estate now for about 10 years or so. Um, and relatively recently, within the last couple of years, I partnered with a friend here in the Valley. Um, and so we've gotten very aggressive in our uh, real estate investing. Um, and then we have also started to provide call center support for uh, be it wholesalers or agents um, or others within the, uh, the industry that are looking for cold calling, lead generation, appointment setting, and so forth. Okay, great, great. Guys, just so you know, me and Scott do have a brief history um, along with Mike Dale Preet. We were doing some things together. The timing just didn't work out, you know, at the moment, but hey, we got Scott here now, and we'll definitely be getting into some more things here. So Scott, tell me, I know you have 20 years of experience in the call center space and marketing space. What was your inspiration in getting into the lead generation and marketing space, you know, with real estate professionals? Yeah, you know, that's a good question. Um, I would say that as I shared, you know, I was always interested and um, invested myself in real estate. Um, after I kind of got into the space and, and leaned into it a little bit more, I just felt that there was an opportunity within the industry. Um, and so what I mean by that, when I say I've been in the call center side of the business for many years, if you think about like the Sprints or AT&T or, you know, even some of the large banks, they typically don't run their own call centers. They outsource that work. And so that's been the majority of my career is understanding how to work with organizations and provide best practices to, you know, ultimately increase efficiencies or reduce cost or whatever the case may be. Um, and, you know, getting into the real estate realm, it was pretty clear that, 
this same type of support is needed, uh, but it's just not there. Um, and so what we're doing is we're bringing, again, those best practices and the experiences that have been cultivated over the last hundreds of years in terms of outbound um, and inbound uh, outsourcing of processes. We're taking that and now we're applying it to uh, real estate investors, real estate agents, and, and folks who, quite frankly, um, may not have access to the type of call center support that we provide otherwise just due to the size of the organization that they are. Absolutely. And I know being in real estate investing, you know, and doing some wholesaling and having some buying holds and things like that, marketing is always, you know, a key function. Actually, that's before anything else is the marketing component because you got to be able to find these sellers and buyers that, that want to do deals with you. Right. So, and I know right now, things have changed dr dramatically. You know, a lot of people, I would say probably about three or four years ago was everybody was pounding the pavement as far as, you know, direct mail and door knocking. And now everything has switched, you know, over to call center. So call center and, and direct calling. So you guys are in a good space. So tell me a little bit about, you know, how you transitioned from working with the AT&Ts and Sprints and things like that to start working with the smaller, you know, wholesalers or real estate investors that's trying to find these off-market deals? Sure. Yeah, that's a, that's a great question. So, you know, again, when I started the company, we originally started as Teledynamics um, and we rebranded under Call Centered. Um, so when I started the company, you know, just like any new company, we were looking for opportunities and, and organizations that we could support that we could provide value to. Um, in the same in the same vein, I was investing in real estate myself. Um, and so as an investor and identifying the opportunity here, which was, you know, uh, there, to your point, there are a lot of marketing channels within uh, wholesaling. And based on my previous experience and uh, the, the, what we were able to leverage in Mexico, meaning the call center team and the operation, it was just a no brainer to really, you know, focus heavily on that uh, type of a marketing strategy for us. Um, so again, you know, getting into this space we just said hey we're a new call center and we're going to take on work that makes sense work that we know that we can provide a high level of value to um and and you know so so it was very clear again seeing the need in the real estate space and uh, being able to provide that service to uh to investors like myself okay so why do you believe that and kind of want to dig a little deeper why do you believe that 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 sort of lead generation doing a direct calling is more impactful than, you know, door knocking, direct mail, SEO, Facebook ads and things of that. Well, nature. yeah, so I, I would say a couple of things. So one, I would say, you know, as the, uh, as someone who runs a call center, I would say just always do call center work. Uh, <laughs> I'm a bit tongue in cheek there. Uh, but if I put my investor hat on, I would say that you should not uh, go with one particular marketing strategy and not leverage the others. So text messaging and RBMs and door knocking and driving for dollars and all those things are very, very valuable. And you should always continue to do that. Um, depending upon how your business is set up is really going to determine, you know, what vehicle or what marketing avenue uh, you really want to focus on most. Uh, but I will say that, you know, I think as investors, we recognize, especially as wholesale investors, we recognize that it's an event-based business, meaning that you, get, you just happen to speak with that seller when something was going on in their life that made them decide that they were open and interested and, and willing to negotiate a deal um, that maybe they, they didn't get every dollar they could have, but it saved them a lot of time and pain or, you know, energy or whatever the case may be. Um, and so because it's an event-based business, 
I think it's important that there's what we call on the call center side of the world, speed lead. So, you know, we are communicating with hundreds of people per agent on a day-to-day -day basis to identify those who just had some sort of an event occur in their life and now they you know, are open or interested in uh, potentially signing the property. Um, you know, I'd also say that there are other vehicles such as text messaging where you can quickly um, contact many, many folks. Uh, mm -hmm. However, if you have a live person able to have that conversation, then you can generally draw out some things that you may not be able to by just dropping one simple text that says, hey, I want to make you a cash offer in your property. Um, so, you know, I think on the call center side, it allows us the, the scale. Uh, let's say you have 10 agents and you're calling 350 people per day per agent. Well, you're touching 3,500 people every single day to find where those opportunities lie. And as opposed to just one text blast with 3,500 people on it that you get a bunch of no's back, you have a live body who's now able to engage and to understand what the challenge is or, you know, what's going on with that person. Um, and, you know, again, if it makes sense, then it could transition into some sort of a, a transaction. So, again, all of them are valuable. Uh, but if you're if you're looking to uh, really do things in scale, my belief, obviously, again, having a call center background and biased, but uh, my belief is that you know you have to be able to contact many many people um, in relatively short order, and once you do contact them, you've got to be able to have an engaging conversation to understand what their particular needs are to provide that that value that they're looking for um, in having the conversation with you. Absolutely. And you you made a key point. You said that you know you need to have multiple strategies. So. Uh, guys, you're listening here. You never want to just pigeonhole yourself into just one marketing strategy. You don't want to just do only direct mail. You don't want to just do ringless voicemails. You know, you don't want to just do call center. You want to kind of marry and mirror all of them together. That way you can have more lines in the ocean, you know, so to speak. So uh, with that being said, Scott, uh, I know, like you said, you're an advocate for call centers and having multiple streams of marketing going out to these sellers. And I definitely know the benefit of picking up the phone and being able to talk to a seller directly. Um, with that being said, what kind of training or, you know, especially for wholesalers, you know, well, and I don't want to just say for wholesalers, but you know, there are a lot of, um, cash buyers that's out there trying to go direct versus, you know, to circumvent the wholesalers. So what kind of training or anything like that do the call center reps have in order to, you know, be able to flesh out that motivation? Because it's, it's easy to get on the phone and have that conversation, but it's key things that we, you know, want to look for. We want to find that motivation. What are some of the triggers that they know to look for? Yeah. You know, another really good question. I would say that um, I'll answer that in a couple of different ways. So, that um, what you just hit on is one of uh, the differentiators for working with call centered um, our company. And so what I mean by that is, again, we are uh, very deep into the real estate space and we have a very deep understanding of real estate and we pass it on to our agents. Um, so all of our agents, uh, they go through a real estate training class um, in that training class. We help them understand the top 30 uh, terms and definitions associated with the real estate industry. So basic things like, you know, escrow and title and just the general things that they're going to need to be able to speak to when having okay. a potential conversation with the seller. Um, we also have a, a proprietary sales system. Um, we refer to it as seller and it uh, basically looks at the core competencies of our highest performing agents and it kind of dissects those and then it drives all of our decisions from recruiting and hiring and training and coaching and so on and so forth. So we, we understand 
what are the commonalities that all of our highest performers have? And then we look to replicate those commonalities um, to ensure that we have uh, the highest level uh, caliber uh, HFM can. Um, in addition, we do a seven week training. And when I say seven weeks, not full time, they just do one hour per week for the first seven weeks after their initial new hire training. That's all geared towards um, real estate specifically and, and the mindset and how to talk to sellers and how to negotiate. Um, so, you know, again, specifically to the real estate work that we do in the call center, uh, very, very deep understanding of the business. And as such, our agents, I would put up against anybody in the space um, in terms of just their knowledge, their understanding of how to work with sellers, their ability to identify what those distress signals are. Um, and then, of course, communicating that back to the client so that when an investor calls to actually have that conversation, they're really clear on what the needs of that homeowner are and how they can best provide value to that homeowner. Well, and that's that's very key. I mean, because some call centers, like you said, they, they're used to working with, you know, big insurance companies or, you know, something or things of that nature. But you having that background, you know, as a real estate investor, you know specifically what to look for and you know what to train those people on what to look for. So that's definitely a benefit that I hear right now from call center versus some of the other um some of the other organizations. Um, also. So actually, if I could, I would just add one thing to that. You know, like I said, I really think that that's one of the things that makes us uh, special and different. Um, even if you go to some of the larger organizations <clears throat> out there, um, generally speaking, the way that it works today is they say, okay, great. You know, we can, we can take on the work that you want to outsource. Now tell me what to do. You know, tell me what my script, give me scripts, give me scripts. Exactly. You know, so it very much is, I have people that can do the work, but I don't know how to do the work myself. So I'm really relying on you to teach me the business. So again, that is something that really differentiates us is while we're very much open, we have a client that is uh, very experienced in this space and wants to provide their, their input or their guidance. We're very comfortable with that. But at the same time, we truly are experts in this industry. So you can come to call center and you can rest assured that you're hiring a company who will therefore take this forward for you. And you don't have to worry about the specifics within the cold calling or the lead generation work. You can get back to closing more deals. So big difference that we know what we're doing and we can immediately provide value to your business as opposed to a traditional outsourcer who says, I don't know what you guys do, but tell me how to do it. And then we can replicate it. Yeah, because what happens is then you're spending your time as a real estate investor trying to train the people that really just supposed to pick up the ball and run and make the calls for you. Now you're taking away your time for more profitable events that you should be doing, trying to train the trainer in essence. So tell me about, um, Scott, tell me about a deal that you guys happen to pick up, you know, through the call center and kind of walk me through that process, how that all happened. Yeah, pick one. <laughs> you know, again, I'd say that we have a lot of different forms of marketing activity, but for obvious reasons, um, a high percentage of our deals come out of our call center work. Um, so, you know, in terms of uh, deals, we, we do things in many different ways, as I'm sure just about all of the investors who are listening uh, today uh, do as well. So we may, you know, just pass paper on a property, so negotiate, um, and then pass that off to another investor. We may purchase the property ourselves, do some repairs, and then put it back onto the uh, MLS. We may take a property down, rent that property out. So again, lot, lots of different ways that we may skin a deal. Um, a particular deal, though, that, that comes to mind just because it's, it's uh, recent, uh, we had a deal in North Central Phoenix that was identified through our cold calling activities. Essentially, the way that it works um, is whether clients or us internally, we uh, provide data, so uh, lists of uh, mm -hmm. 
potential sellers and they could be, you know, distress lists. So, you know, vacant lists and, you know, maybe water shutoff stuff or, you know, code okay. violations, all that kind of stuff. Um, the call center team will call through those, identify sellers who may be open or homeowners, I should say, who may be uh, open or interested in selling. We send that information back to our onshore call center team so that we can um, comp the property and then give a call back to, to have an acquisitions type discussion. Um, sometimes we can get a contract right out of the phone. Sometimes we go out to the property if we're here in Phoenix market um, and further the negotiation that way and ultimately put that property under contract. Okay. So this particular property, um, again, we you know negotiated with the seller. There was actually two 10,000 square foot parcels um, that were negotiated into the same deal. Um, and again, just to make this a very fast story, ultimately what we did is we took the two parcels, split them out, sold one, um, which had a mobile home on, on the land. Um, and that left us with a 10,000 square foot parcel, uh, which was a single family property, uh, like I said, in North Central Phoenix. So after selling that second parcel that had the mobile home, obviously that um, really, well, I shouldn't say obviously, but that uh, changed the economics for the deal significantly. Mm -hmm. uh, it would do pretty well on that piece of land. And of course, that uh, ate into the amount um, that we, we ultimately had paid for the second property. Uh, took that one down ourselves, did some really basic, uh, you know, lipstick type stuff, uh, put it back on the market on the MLS and did exceptionally well with that property. Um, you know, netted somewhere just under fifty thousand dollars okay perfect, so perfect. Just one example of one deal and you know what's interesting about that one uh was when the call center called i, I had mentioned the data that we call on initially well, we call on distressed data but we also will call in more generalized data the reason that we also will look at the general data is because again being an event-based business there are people who have just had an experience or something occur in their life but it's not popping up on a uh distressed list yet Absolutely. so maybe just lost the job or they just went through a separation or whatever that may be by calling a generalized, a generalized list. A lot of times we're able to find folks who maybe something just happened, but they're not getting the calls yet uh, because it hasn't popped up on anybody else's radar. So that particular deal actually came off of a generalized lead list, which is kind of um, interesting on that. Uh, but it just goes to show you that again, it really is event based. And if you can provide, you know, the, the resolution that that person is looking for and help ease that pain, whatever that pain may be, uh, then you, you know, you certainly have an opportunity. Well, that's why it's important to be a leader and not a lagger, you know, because some people, they wait for the list and sometimes the, the data is stale or maybe not stale, but is not as fresh as, you know, pulling something that's event based. So, Scott, real quick, you know, you, you speak of the leads. Do you guys provide leads? Where do you get your leads from? Is that something that call centered handled or did you outsource and find the leads from somewhere else? Yeah, so we have lead brokers that we work with. Um, we're not in the lead business, if you will. Gotcha. If I have a client that needs leads, then I can help support that. But it really is just a pass-through cost. Well, again, we're not in the business of, of selling okay. not something that we do. Um, so, you know, I would say that we would point our clients into uh, just various directions, which you know, I'm sure many people are familiar with, um, you know, list source or even pulling leads out of FreedomSoft or, you know, lots of different yep. options um, for, for the list, but not something we do, but we can certainly guide our clients in that direction if they use it. Okay. So that deal here in Central Phoenix, um, just to clarify, so it was a mobile home and a standard SFR on two separate lots. And you guys, but it was the same owner you sold the mobile home in the, in the lot, you know, and then you had the single family that you guys did a light fluff and buff to and put it back on the MLS. That's right. 
Okay. So what did you guys, um, how did that conversation go with that seller as far as, Hey, I'm going to take down this property, you know, as far as a single family, but we're going to wholesale the other property. Did that discussion come into in the play or how, how did it happen? No, it actually did not because we did not wholesale it. So we took that property down ourselves. So as far as the seller's concerned, made no difference to her. We bought the property and she was able to move on with life. And quite frankly, you know, we did with that one what we do a lot of times, which is we know that there's an opportunity here. How do we just gain control? So now we can, you know, most effectively identify what that true path forward might be. Okay. So that particular property, as I'm sure you can imagine, with two 10,000 square foot pieces of land, one that has a mobile home that's rent ready, another single family that's moving ready. I mean, there's lots of options there. If we wanted to wholesale that and pass the paper, we certainly could have as it stood. Uh, there, there was just so many options. So for that particular one, it made the most sense to, hey, let's, let's take this property down. Let's give ourselves some time to really assess and to understand what the best opportunity here um, is. And that's exactly what we did. Okay. So, and I'm, I may have missed it. What was the disposition on the mobile home um, and that land? Did you guys put that on MLS and sell that or how did you dis uh, no, dispose of that, that one? That actually was a cash deal um, that was not on the MLS. Uh, we sent that out to our buyers list. Um, we also, you know, just did some basics, man. We drove around the neighborhood and put up some signs just that we had a a move-in ready uh, mobile home on 10,000 square feet of land. Um, I believe the the, the purchaser uh, found one of our signs, if I recall. Okay, okay. Uh, yeah, just, just just your traditional buyer's list and put them some signs in the neighborhood. And yeah, we were able to find that buyer. And I tell people, that was one of the ways that I really built up my buyer's list when I was here in Phoenix is, you know, I would put signs out around a property. Actually, me and Mike did a deal where we put signs around a property and one of my main cash buyers now came from one of those signs. He didn't ultimately buy that property, but he's in my database. And not only do he buy here in Phoenix, but he buy in other markets that we end up wholesaling them out to also. Okay, perfect. So you got rid of the mobile home park. Let me Go just ahead. add really there quickly. So yeah, it's interesting that you mentioned that. I mean, I think for everybody that's been in the, the business for a while understands that there's really two sides to it. One is, of course, you've got to find sellers. Uh, but then secondarily, you have to have a really strong buyer's list. If you have one person yep. on your buyer's list, that house that he's willing to buy for 100, you might be living thirty or $40,000 on the table if you have a stronger buyer's list. So we all know there's kind of those two sides of the business. So just one thing to kind of interject um, as it pertains to the cold calling work is it's it's another vehicle to generate buyers on your buyer's list as well. So a lot of times, you know, we'll work with clients who um, will be dialing on absentee owner lists. So maybe you're calling into a particular market and you're looking for out-of-state absentee owners and that's who you want us to target. Well, when we're having those conversations with those potential sellers, of course, if these are out-of-state absentee owners, then they also are investors. And so in addition to seeing if they're open to selling, we also ask if they may be interested in acquiring additional properties. And so that can just, you know, while we're already having that conversation, it's killing two birds with one stone yep. to help throughout that buyer's list for our clients. Very smart, very strategic. You know, if you if you come across the list and you see they own 20, 30 properties or you're seeing their name pop up multiple times on your list, it's always good to just give them a call and say, hey, 
I see you own the property at 123 Main Street and 1234 Main Street and 1235 Main Street. Are you interested in buying more property along Main Street? Yeah. You know, <laughs> and nine times out of 10, they'll say, yeah, you know what? Send me over what you got. Here's my email address. Here's my telephone number. And now you have an active buyer on your buyers list. And that's well, not, go ahead. You know, what's great about those buyers also, you know, if you find, um, so, you know, as an example, we had a buyer that uh, likes to do a lot of uh, multifamily stuff and has some particular areas where they like to operate. Well, that's really good as an investor because now I have an idea. One, I got a guy who's ready to buy anytime yep. I have inventory. But two, I really know where I need to be at on these properties. And I know, you know, because this is a strong buyer that I'm really able to maximize profit. So it makes for a much uh, more straightforward conversation with a potential seller when I know exactly where, not 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 exactly where I think I'm going to be, but I know exactly where my buyer is going to be at on it. And so it allows me to be, again, more direct and to just um, really put that property under contract for the right price point for, for all parties. Absolutely. And, it, and it's something that you speak about that because I have a few buyers, actually the one that I talked about with the, uh, with the bandit sign before, um, sometimes I get a deal under contract in his sweet spot and well, even before I get it under contract, I say, hey, look, I trust you. Here is the uh, address. Let me know what you'll, what you'll pay for this. You know, here's the address. Here's the pictures. You know, what will you pay for this? And he'll say, okay, well, I'll pay X amount of dollars for this. Now going in the door, you're having that conversation with the seller. You're more confident. You know, you're not guessing, well, Maybe I can pay, you know, 130. Maybe I can pay 150. Now, you know, hey, my top dollar, you know, is 220. Anything I get under 220, that's money in the bank for me, you know. So that's key that you said that, you know, not only using, you know, the call center for finding sellers, motivated sellers, but also for finding buyers. You know, you got to have that strong buyers list. And to your point, Scott, you could be losing thousands of dollars on the table if you don't have that strong buyers list. Right. Yeah, that's right. All right. So kind of um, what are some of the results and metrics that you guys use to identify what's a successful campaign, you know, when doing, when using the call center, you know, because somebody may say, Hey, you know, a direct mail, you know, 1%, 10%, you know, for the call center, for those who don't know, you know, what makes a successful campaign outside of, hey, I made $20,000 on this campaign? Well, that's what makes it, uh, makes it yeah. successful. <laughs> <laughs> well, ultimately, that's what we're here for, right? We're, we're, the only beans we're trying to count are, are dollar bills. That's so. right. That's right. Um, you know, there are a lot of variables there, and I don't want to answer your question with, you know, too many variables. Right. But there yep. really are. Uh, markets that you're dialing into can add some variables. Um, you know, what type of list are you calling on? Are these probate lists? Are these code violations? Are these just general, what we call penny leads? Many, many variables there. Um, you know, another significant variable is how is your operation set up? Is your operation ready for cold calling leads? Um, I think what's really important for investors who are interested in getting into the cold calling or the call center realm to understand is that it's a very different model. And so what I mean by that is, you know, if I drop 5,000 uh, flyers today, 5,000 letters, first, it's going to be very expensive. But, yep. you know, I mainly get a couple of calls. Now, the calls that I get, there is a higher likelihood that there is serious motivation there because they've gone through more to read your letter. To call mm -hmm. back. There, there's likely a higher, uh, you know, level of urgency. Um, on the call center side, you know, you're going to get a lot more volume. So you're going to get, you know, a number of leads on a day-to-day -day basis. 
Now, many of those leads just really want to know, you know, what they might be able to get in cash for their property. So there is going to be a lot more of, you know, just kind of sifting through the true motivation versus those who just are kind of open and want to hear more. Um, okay. So again, lots and lots and lots of variables there. I would say that, you know, on average, um, and again, this is just an average, you're looking at anywhere between two to four uh, leads on a day-to-day -day basis per um, agent. With call center, what we do is we generally will work six days a week, 35 hours a week, um, and we do so because there's a point of diminishing returns in cold calling. Um, in my experience, once you get over that 35 hours or so, um, you know, again, it can be challenging. You gotta keep an agent motivated and, and smiling and dialing. 48 hours can just frankly be um, so, so yeah, you know, that, that's kind of, you know. Okay. So it, it's safe to say, you know, um, that you got to have tons of leads, you know, to call on when you're doing cold calling. So now you mentioned penny leads. What's penny leads? Kind of let us know what those are. Yeah, the easiest way to describe penny leads is it's just kind of like your white pages. It's just uh, general data within your community of names and numbers and properties that are associated with those names and numbers. Um, so there really is nothing special to it. Again, it is almost as simple as taking the uh, white pages and pulling, extracting all of the names and numbers out of there and then just calling them off. Okay. So pretty straightforward. You know, again, the one thing that I did want to just kind of underscore from, from the previous question was process, meaning, you know, because call center work is so different, if we're sending over three or four leads per agent on a day-to-day -day basis, it's really important that on that client side, they have processes set up to, uh, to speak with the leads that are being generated as quickly as possible. Um, one thing that I've seen happen time and time again is we'll send leads and we will then follow up with them a day or two later. Well, if we didn't get a hold of them, now we're you know constantly in this follow-up process to yeah. try to get, get back in contact. And then I get back in contact with them 10 days later and they weren't interested, but I've called for 10 days and I've gone through all of this effort. So it's critically important that if you get into cold calling that you have a process in place that as soon as that lead is generated, you know, within a couple of hours, you really want to be back on the phone with that potential seller to get that yes or a no. You know, you never want to be discouraged by the no because getting a no within a couple hours is, is almost as of, uh, valuable as a yes because now that's a lead that you can remove from your focus and your attention and it will allow you to better find the cream that's going to ultimately rise to the top. So, again, I, I'd say that anybody that's considering getting into the cold calling side of this business, if they think about how they're currently constructed and do they have processes and the ability today that when a lead comes over, they can quickly but quickly get back on the phone and have that uh, discussion with the seller. Yeah, and that, that tends to be a problem um, with those that's transitioning from other forms of marketing over to cold calling as they say, okay, well, I have a one or two man team, you know, I want to call 10,000 people. Well, when you get 9,500 phone calls coming back in, you know, it's like, what the hell, what am I going to do? You know, I can't keep up with these leads. So, you know, guys, to what Scott was saying is you have to be able to handle that volume. You know, yes, it's more affordable to, to, to dial for dollars than it is for direct mail, but also you have to have those processes in place on the back end to receive those leads, turn around and call them, especially with call center leads, because they can go stale, you know, pretty quickly. If you're not hitting them, you know, instantly, you know, it, it can be kind of discouraging where you see, hey, I got all of these leads and I, I don't have anyone to call for me, mm -hmm. you know, so 
Yeah, and we do uh, we do help some of our clients with some inbound uh, activity as well. So you know we do some inbound customer service work. You know, the majority of our clients when they send out the reverse, or excuse me, their um, ringless voicemails. You know we typically are the answering service for that kind of stuff. So you know we can do some things to help provide some additional bandwidth and support because a lot of the companies that we do work with uh, are investors that have relatively small teams, and you know that's one of the value adds that we provide is that we can very quickly um, and relatively easily uh, you know, partner with the company and then increase their ability to really scale uh, without the, the real commitment that it would probably take for them to do it on their internal, at their, you know, at their current office. Well, that's definitely, definitely a huge benefit, you know, having you know, that, that ability to take those inbound calls also because most call centers, you know, it's, they're just dialing out. They're just dialing out, you know, but for you to be able to dial out and still take some of those inbound calls, you know, for that one or two member, you know, real estate team, that's, that's, that's definitely an added benefit, you know, like you were saying. So, so tell me, you're doing this call center stuff, you're doing, you know, uh, wholesaling, fixing, flipping, rentals, portfolios, you know, what's next, Scott? Kind of what are, what are you guys planning on doing? What are you doing next? you know, to really increase profitability for you. Well, man, we're just trying to take this world over. (laughs) (laughs) You know, um, we've been really blessed in what we're doing on the call center side of the world as well as within our investing. Um, You know, we're growing very quickly on the call center side of the business. Um, We're, you know, currently in the process of moving into a new location. Um, You know, we're going to have almost 500 seats. Um, so really, that's where a lot of our focus is, is just making sure that we continue to deliver upon the service that our clients have come to expect from us. You know, again, we provide a, a level of support that, you know, if I'm being honest, I just don't think really exists at the level that we're currently providing it. Um, you know, what we are doing is typically reserved for the kind of the fortune companies out there. So that's our focus, man, is just continue to work within the SMB market, continue to provide value, continue to provide that support that they just can't get elsewhere. Um, and we feel like if we continue to do that, um, then, you know, sky truly is the limit for the business. And, you know, obviously we're having a lot of fun investing in real estate as we go to. So, so think, Perfect. Think Perfect. So what, where do you see, the marketing and call center activities going in the future? Let's just say, you know, a year from now or two years from now, what do, what do you see? What are you projecting? Yeah, you know, that's a good question. Um, so here in Phoenix, we have a lot of, uh, you know, the open door offer pad, Zillow type stuff where these, you know, big players are coming out here. Yeah, those iBuyers. Yeah, swallowing up properties. Um, and, you know, if I look at other industries, uh, that's just going to continue. There, there's just no way, no matter how much your you know local investor wants to stop that from happening, it's just not going to stop. So, you know, to me, you, you have to kind of see where the industry is going and then how can you position yourself that, so that you can, so that you can play, how can you be a part of it? You know, I think, I think for the investors out there that are doing the, the traditional send some mailers, send an RBM, you know, maybe shoot a text. And I, I just think that, you're gonna get left behind because in order to compete with the the, the market as it continue, you know, as it evolves, you're gonna have to have that scale. You're gonna have to be able to touch ten thousand people in a day to identify those who are looking for to sell that property. You know, as the the, the aforementioned companies, the open doors, the offer pads, the Zillow, as they start to create a position into sellers minds, and that position being, if I run into a financial hardship, these are the guys who I can call. Yep. 
as they continue to carve that position out, it's gonna get more challenging for the investor because again, we are event-based. And if, you know, if when that event happens, they immediately pick up the phone and call the guys who have carved out that position, good luck on finding them. And so, you know, again, I think that's the future of this business is that those who um, have the ability to scale and can, can reach out to mass amounts of folks um, in, in relative short order, those are going to be the only ones that are going to have the ability to survive. Uh, because again, you know, the, these other organizations that are coming out with huge dollars, I mean, yep, yep. they're spending so much money on, you know, research and development and understanding, you know, this process and the minds of these sellers and really targeting them from a marketing perspective, it's going to be hard to compete. You're going to have to find a way um, to kind of carve out your own lane. And again, make sure that you have the volume to touch enough folks to, to find your own deals. And that is true. The iBuyers, I mean, are, are pretty much everywhere, touching every market, every niche. You know, they took what the local investor was doing and they just did it mainstream, you know, because, you know, we definitely find, you know, some of the strategies that we need to curtail and, and do a little bit differently in order to compete you know, just to pull these deals out of these different markets. So you're, you're absolutely right when you're talking about dealing with the iBuyers. So Scott, all right, we're going to move into our hot seat, man, our hot seat questions. So I want you to answer these questions as quick as possible for me. And let's see if we can get some good content to our listeners. So Scott, starting over, what would you do differently working with the call center and real estate investing? Yeah, so um, on the real estate side, it, it's kind of what I had talked about uh, moments ago, which is just making sure that your processes are set up um, to care for the lead volume that's coming over. You know, when, when I first started leveraging the call center for uh, my personal real estate investing activities, we were generating a ton, ton of leads and didn't do a really good job of squeezing through those leads. So you know, I would say that that's first and foremost. On the investment side, if you're gonna get into the call center space, make sure that when those leads are generated, you have a really good way to, to squeeze those leads um, and make sure that you're getting the most value. Because otherwise, it doesn't matter how good the marketing vehicle is, if you don't know how to squeeze them once you get over, uh, then, you know, obviously it's all for naught and ultimately it's gonna be, uh, gonna be kind of costly for you. Um, you know, on the call center side, I would say that, um, you know, I think that we've done a pretty good job in terms of growing the business at a reasonable pace. Um, you know, we, we didn't want to grow too fast. Um, you know, more companies are challenged in times of growth than they are when they are stable yep. um, or, or, or in lean times, I guess I should say. Um, and so we've been very um, aware of that. And so as we bring in clients, we really take our time, make sure that they are supported effectively and, you know, make sure that they are going to be a long-standing client prior to kind of moving on and continuing um, to bring in additional business. So, you know, I think that we're in a pretty good place on the call center side of the work, uh, call center side of the world. You know, there's always things that we could do and change and improve upon and all that. But, you know, I think uh, for where we are and, and how long we've been in the business, I think we're doing a pretty good job there. Sweet, sweet, sweet. So what is the greatest commodity outside of capital? For, for my business, I would say the greatest commodity is the people. Um, so we have some really, really strong folks on the team, both on the call center side as well as the real estate side. On the call center side of the business, you know, between the executive team, we have over 100 years in this space. Um, so just, you know, the experiences, the relationships, the understanding of how this business should be operated, I think is, is just really the key for us. Um, and on the real estate side, I'd say it's the same thing. You know, um, we, we do a lot of deals and we've 
for over a decade. And so, yeah, you know, I'd say it really is just the people and, and the culture and, um, you know, having fun and doing what we're doing and, and obviously making a little bit of money while we're at it. Sweet. Okay. So what is one thing that you think that you can do to help you drive productivity? I know you got so much going on, like I said, with the call center and with real estate outside of your personal life. How do you stay productive? What do you, what, what's some of the techniques or something that you use to, to remain productive? Yeah. You know, um, I think it really is about just habits, you know, um, one of the books I read recently talks about, you know, really being, being, uh, being micro patient or excuse me, macro patient, but micro focused, uh, meaning that, you know, keep an eye on that big picture, but really live in the moment and understand how the things that you're doing in that moment play into that big picture. Um, and so for me, you know, really all is about habits. It's about, you know, what are the things that you're doing as soon as you wake up in the morning that are helping to improve your day? Yeah. Um, you know, what are the things that you're in So, you know, here's a basic example. You got to go to work. So when I first got into, um, like, like health and fitness, I attached the gym to work because I got to go to work. And if I do that, then I'm going to go to the gym too. And so, so to me, that's really what the key is, is how do you create habits that are conducive to the successes that you ultimately want to have? And if you can create those habits, um, then you get into, you know, another book I read recently, The Compound Effect, but then you get into just taking those small steps and doing them every single day and they become magnified over a period of time. And ultimately you'll realize, you know, whatever those goals are that you're looking to attain. Yeah. And, and you speak of habits. I wrote a book. I mean, I read a book recently and that was the title was Habits. And it talks about how you can frame your day and you can frame your life by certain habits that you that you incorporate you know, daily. So I tell people, you know, when you first wake up, you know, meditate, pray, you know, do whatever it takes to get your frame of mind and your mental, mental faculties rolling in the right direction, you know? So yes, habits is a good book. I know about compound effect, man. So I'm going to definitely have these two books in the show notes down there. Um, so tell me, Scott, what drives your ambition, man? What, what, why are you doing all of this? You know, uh, Personally, I would say, and this is just, you know, something that I've known my entire life is that uh, I get bored easily. Okay. <laughs> and, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm more of a, uh, I guess I'd say a builder than a maintainer. Um, and so, you know, I like to be able to work with companies and grow businesses. And that's really where my passion lies. I'm not passionate about telephones per se. I'm passionate about, again, being able to improve a company's, you know, bottom line or just help them um, improve their business. Um, so, you know, I'd say that's just what I like to do. And, 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 you know, I, I think a question that I'm asked a lot or that just in general, a lot of us are asked, so, okay, let's say that you make a billion dollars and you never have to, to do another, you know, you never have to lift another finger a day in your life. What would you do with yourself? And if I'm asked that question, I would still be doing what I'm doing today. It, it truly isn't about the money. I just enjoy working with businesses. I love understanding their processes. I like to try to help them improve upon their process. So, you know, what keeps me motivated is it, it it's just what I enjoy doing, man. So, you okay. know, and I would say that I'm very blessed in that regard. Um, don't get me wrong. There's a saying, which is, you know, if you like what you do, you'll never work another day in your life. That's not, that's not true. <laughs> that's not true. But, but, you know, having fulfillment in what you're doing and feeling good about what you're doing and excitement around it, that really is, in my opinion, the key to just kind of having that long-term success and, and being happy. 
Yeah, yeah. And you'll have longevity, you know, at doing it, you know. So, all right. So what do you believe is your greatest challenge? Let's say internally, you know, what's your greatest challenge? And then we'll roll out to externally. What do you believe is your greatest challenge? And you being successful or reaching that pinnacle or that place that you want to be? Yeah, you know, I'll answer that specifically to the call center work. Um, I'd say that, and I, I, I reframe it from being the greatest challenge to the, the greatest opportunity. Um, okay. and, and what I would say is that, you know, at the end of the day, call centers are a people business, meaning you've got to hire the right people, you've got to train them right, you've got to treat them right, you've got to have some fun. It's a very difficult job, you know, just call it like it is. Um, so the greatest opportunity for us really is just building and driving a culture within the organization where team members come in and they feel good about the work that they're doing, they feel engaged in the, the, the overall company and at the decisions that they're making and how they impact driving the company forward. Um, you know, again, the success or failure of, of any call center is 100% going to come down to the people and how they're treated and how happy they are within their role. So while, you know, I'm glad that myself and my leadership team places a lot of emphasis on culture because, you know, they understand the value. I think that's always the greatest opportunity for us, you know, when, when you're running large uh, organizations is to make sure that everybody's on the same sheet of music, everybody's pushing in the same direction and that, you know, ultimately uh, we feel good about the work we're doing and, and, and are sharing in the successes. Perfect. Perfect. So Scott, last question, man. So how can we find you? How can we reach out to you if we want to use call centered? I mean, because you guys are definitely having some success here in Phoenix, you know, how can, how can our listeners reach out to you guys and find you if they want to, if they want to reach you? Yeah, you know, first and foremost, you can just check us out on our website, uh, www.callcentered.com. I'm sure we'll have it in the information below. Yep. Um, if you want to reach out to me directly, you can find me on LinkedIn, um, Scott P. Hannum, H-A-N-N-U-M. Um, and yeah, I'd love to, to chat with any of the listeners about just real estate or, or, you know, call center work or how, you know, my organization could potentially help provide support. Okay, guys, I, I definitely want to thank you, Scott, for being here. Guys, again, he, Scott is providing an excellent opportunity for you all. If you're, you're doing direct mail or you're doing text messaging, you need to try and do some call-centered activity. You need to do some direct calling. Scott has a promotion code. We'll have all of that information in the show notes. I think you need, if you're going to be, have some longevity as a wholesaler, as a fix and flipper, you know, finding off-market deals. You have to transition your marketing, you know, from one source to multiple sources. And one of those sources have to be, you know, call-centered and making direct phone calls. So, Scott, I want to thank you, man. Before we sign off, is there one last thing you want to share with our listeners? No, you know, I just say, hey, thank you for the opportunity to chat with you and the listeners. Um, you know, we're really excited about the things that we're doing. You know, uh, we're in a really good place as an organization and we're continuing to grow and continuing to provide additional services to our clients. Um, so I'd love to engage with anybody out there. Like I said, if you're just looking to have a conversation or if you're looking for some input on how you could potentially scale your business, be it in the real estate realm or, or, or other forms of, you know, activity that may require call center support, I'd love to have those conversations. So thanks again. Marcus and you know really appreciate the opportunity not a problem Scott and then again guys all of this information will be in the show notes the promo code for call center Scott's um, contact information and LinkedIn call centers 
contact information, our books we spoke about, Compound Effect and Habits. So again, Scott, thank you, man. I really appreciate you talking to the We Love Equity listeners, and we're signing off. Cool. Thanks, man. Thank you for listening to today's show. I picked up some great actionable items, and I'm sure you did as well. If so, let me know. You can always reach me via social media at facebook.com slash MRCS Maloney, Twitter at MRCS Maloney, and of course, IG at MRCS Maloney. You can also always reach me via email at mmaloney at equityri.com. Make sure you reach out to our guest as well. You can always find their contact information in the show notes below. If you have not subscribed already, what are you waiting for? Join the family. And while you're at it, leave us a five-star review. This is how we tell if we're providing you with what you need for your journey. If there's someone you would like for me to interview, or if there's a subject matter you would like for me to cover, please let me know. Finally, if you're looking for additional information about real estate investing, go to equityrealestateblog.com, also youtube.com slash Marcus Maloney. Until next time, family, always enjoy the journey.